the reading is from John chapter 6, uh, verses 41 to 59. You can find that on page 1070 of the Church Bibles. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah, very much for reading. Good morning, everyone, and let's pray. Father, thank you for your word in the Bible. As we look at this passage together, Please help us to understand and believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to the passage that Sarah read for us. You'll, if you haven't already got it, it's on page 1070. And as Sarah began to read, and it said, at this, you may have wondered, at what? Have I missed something? Well, yes, you may have, but don't worry. 
We looked at the previous passage seven weeks ago. Even if you were here seven weeks ago, it's just possible you may not remember all the details of the excellent sermon that we had from Terry. You can watch that online. But if you're just visiting this morning or joining us online, welcome. You'll be in good company as we look at this passage together. And before I forget, I'm going to set my clock because we always promise on these occasions that we won't go on too long for the benefit of the youngsters and the families who are with us. So I've set my clock there. We're going to get straight into the passage. Merv and Terry have been taking us through the recent chapters of John's Gospel. And Jesus' words, or at least the way in which John the writer has chosen to record them for us, they come by way of repetition. There's repeating stuff, unpacking, introducing something new each time. If you look at verse 41, at this, whatever it was, the Jews there began to grumble about him, about Jesus. Those of us who preach occasionally on a Sunday morning are lucky. We anticipate that everyone will sit quietly and listen. If you come to the evening service, and we warmly encourage you to do that, we do have a time at the end of the service when you can say anything you like, really. You can share your own experience, ask questions or raise objections. In those days, this clearly happened during the service. What are they grumbling about? Second half of verse 41, because he, Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. A quiz question. There is more than one correct answer. I know at least two correct answers, and there might be more. Your answer will depend on your age. The younger people might have a slightly different answer, well, a very different answer, from the older people. Both answers may be right. Who said, I've got the eye of the tiger? Anyone? Well done. Excellent. I've got some sweeties here. I'm going to give the lady there a sweetie because I think you deserve one. Um, I'm going to advance the slides. Um, have the young, yeah, there, thank you, Gabriel. I'm saying me throwing it. Now, have the younger people got a different answer? Because the younger people might have a different answer. Who, who said or sang? Give the lady a sweetie as well. There we are. Thank you. Well done. Spot on. So, Katy Perry in her song Raw and Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa in Rocky III. And yes, I'm old enough to remember that. Um, it was actually his former opponent, now his coach, who says to Rocky, you had that eye of the tiger man, the edge, you've got to get it back. Here's one for the really old people like me, um, who may remember this. Who, which band sang the original Eye of the Tiger song? Don't, don't worry if, 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 if you do know it, and don't, don't, don't think you're very old if you do remember it, but I, I do. Anyone? Uh, it, was, it was Survivor. They were the band. And over Christmas, as a change from um, the Pogues or Wham, I commend it to you. Now, for the younger people, 
Did either of these two actually have tigers' eyes? Did they really have the eyes of tigers? No. No. It was a, it was a figure of speech, wasn't it? It's to do with their attributes, their abilities, their characters. They're both fighters. Here's an easy one, I think. Certainly for the older ones, but some may know it. I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now, who was that? I'm sure some of you remember. Yep, Muhammad Ali. And anyone else? Other than Muhammad Ali? If you know your Katy Perry songs, it does actually come. She, she borrows, in fact, she quotes directly, shamelessly. She quotes from, she says, I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now, and uh, in case of Muhammad Ali, it's his hands can't hit what his eyes can't see, talking about George Foreman, his opponent. Now, when we say, are either of them actually a butterfly or a bee? They aren't, are, are they? So when we say that something is like something else, something is like something else, what is that called? Do you know what it begins with a, an, an S? It's a figure of speech. Anyone got it, one of the younger people? A simile. Whoever it was, have a sweetie. I'll throw it up. There we are. Oop, there we are. I almost hit you, sorry. I underestimated the weight of the sweetie, but it's there somewhere. So, so that's what we call a simile. But here's another one for you. The refrigerator. Now, does anyone remember who was called the refrigerator? Yes, well done, yeah, absolutely well done. Whoever said William Perry, pass them a sweet, there we are. Anyway, I'll, I'll give it to Gabe, probably, probably a lot safer. Yes, absolutely spot on, well done. Now, I don't know anything about American football, but that just absolutely tells you all you need to know, doesn't it, about William Perry. I would not like to tackle him or to be tackled by him. So, when we say that somebody is refrigerator, now, what's that called? That's not a simile. That's another. Yes, I can see some. Yep. Say again. Absolutely. Well done. Share those out between you. There we go. I'll bring you some more later. Well done. Whoever it was that said first. Well done. How about that one? That's a simile again, isn't it? Like. Well, that was this chapter. You know who that is? Yeah, it is. Jonah Lomo. Whoever it was, Gabe will give a sweet out. Thank you. <laughs> now, that again is a simile. Like a freight train in ballet shoes. And Jonah Lomo was from New Zealand. And that wasn't a simile. He actually was from New Zealand. Bear that in mind. Look at verse 41 again. The Jews began to grumble about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 
Now look at verse 59 at the very end of our passage, verse 59. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So we're now in the synagogue in Capernaum. I visited there last weekend, but I did it from the comfort of my armchair. Sea of Galilee. There's Capernaum. We zoom in. And that's what it looked like in Jesus's time, or at least it, those are the remains of what it looked like in Jesus's time. Those are the actual ruins. Those are the very stones, the very pavement where Jesus walked and where he was standing or more likely sitting as he was teaching. This was part of the problem for the people who were listening to him. Back in verse 35, Jesus had said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That was back in verse 35. But then in verse 38, he said, For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And at this, the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. There was no problem in Jesus saying that he was the bread of life. He could have said, I'm like bread. He could even have said, I am bread. And that wouldn't have worried them. They would have realized that it was some sort of a figure of speech. Something about perhaps the way that they might live their lives. That was okay. What they didn't like was the fact that Jesus said he'd come from heaven. And so they say in verse 42, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? They knew Jesus and they knew, so they thought, his family. As we were praying before the service, Richard said, I wonder how Jim is going to explain this one. Does Jesus explain it? Does he now go on to explain the Christmas story that Mary was his mother, but that although Joseph had certainly been a father to him and had brought him up, his real father was God. He had been conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. Well, no, Jesus doesn't actually explain the whole of the Christmas story that we know so well. If you've been to the carol services, you know all the Bible verses that explain it for us. He speaks instead about the one who actually is his father, God, and he implies that the person they all knew and thought was his father, father Joseph, who has probably now died by this time, will live again. He says, stop grumbling among yourselves, verse 43. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Here, in one verse, we've got two of the greatest truths of the Gospel, the good news about Jesus. The assurance of eternal life and the assurance of God's sovereignty. 
we proclaim and preach the gospel to everyone, just as Jesus is doing here. We follow his example. But Jesus knows that not everyone will believe. And now things are about to become perhaps even more uncomfortable. Verse 45, Jesus says, It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. It is written. Time and again, for Jesus and the New Testament writers, that's enough. In this case, it's a quotation from the prophet Isaiah. Everyone who has heard the Father, Jesus said, and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. In other words, any true revelation from God will point people to Jesus. I'll say that again. Any true revelation from God will point people to Jesus. Suppose someone claims to have had a revelation from God. If that revelation has pointed them towards Jesus, then yes, they have had a revelation from God. If that revelation has not pointed them towards Jesus, then no, they have not had a revelation from God. If you believe that you've had a revelation from God, Jesus says, is that revelation pointing you towards me? If the answer is yes, Jesus says, that's great, and I will not turn you away. I will give you eternal life. If the answer is no, the revelation is not pointing you to Jesus, then Jesus says, that revelation has not come from God. And if you want to argue about it, in verse 46, Jesus would say, have you seen God face to face? No? Well, I have. I and the Father are one. And this is what I'm telling you. And he says in verse 47, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. What we translate as very truly is truly, truly. It's this is really true and really important. The one who believes has eternal life. Hold that thought, it's not going to change. But now, in verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life. He's already said that in verse 35. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. What's that about? Jesus is referring back to verse 30, when they were still at the lakeside by the Sea of Galilee. They'd asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. To which Jesus could have replied, well, I've just fed 5,000 people, actually 5,000 men, plus women and children. To which they could have replied, ah, yes, but Moses fed a whole nation and he did it for 40 years. So instead, Jesus says this in verse 50, here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat 
and not die. And in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So the one who believes has eternal life and anyone who eats has eternal life. Now we've had a, an English lesson, here's a maths lesson. If A, anyone who believes, equals B, eternal life, and if C, anyone who eats, also equals B, has eternal life, then what does it say about A and C? I'll go through that again. If anyone who believes has eternal life and anyone who eats has eternal life, what does it say about believing and eating? If you do the maths, they're, they're equal, they're the same. If A equals B and C also equals B, then yes, A equals C. Richard got that one, I'll give him, give him a sweet. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Whoops. There we are. So, believing is eating. Uh, more than one restaurant chain says eating is believing. In this case, it's believing is eating. But now, Jesus says, end of verse 51, this bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. This bread is my flesh, my body, which I will give for the life of the world. So, perhaps not surprisingly, verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply, sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, we know, because of what we did at the start of the service, this is probably picture language sounds like a metaphor, doesn't it? How does Jesus explain it? Does he explain it? Verse 53, Jesus says to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Aha! We think this must be something to do with Holy Communion, the Eucharist at the Last Supper. Yes, but not yet, and interestingly not in this Gospel, not in John's Gospel. The Last Supper, as we call it, is recounted in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Matthew, Mark and Luke all tell us about the bread and the wine, 
so does Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians. This is my body, Jesus said, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me. But that was still a few months away and John doesn't actually tell us about it in his version of the Gospel and he was there. So it seems that John wants us to understand this not in a different way but at a different level. In verse 51 we had, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now in verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. It's still believing is eating, but now it's eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. It speaks of intimacy, an astonishing intimacy between us and Almighty God. It also clearly refers to Jesus' death. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Here, on this occasion, Jesus is not saying this bread is my body. He's saying this, my body, is the bread, it's food. Jesus is inviting us to appropriate him, to grab hold of him, to embrace him, to take him into ourselves, to remain in him, as he puts it. God is not asking you to make a sacrifice to him. God has made the sacrifice for you and that comes across especially in drinking the blood of Jesus. Here in John's Gospel, Jesus has already been described by the other John, John the Baptist, right back in verse 29, as the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world. If you've not yet taken that step of accepting the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you, why not talk to someone about it? Have a word with someone after the service. Take away a copy of John's Gospel. We've got them at the back on the table there. Come back next week if you can. We're going to pick up from verse 60 where they say, this is a hard teaching. Not hard to understand perhaps, but hard to accept. If you're local, we hope to be running a Christianity Explored course in the new year, so why not sign up for that? More details are to come. Or if you're a visitor, why not go again to a local church where the Gospel is proclaimed? Find out about a Christianity Explored course near where you are. If you're placing your confidence in anything other than Jesus, please think again. The offer is there. Please accept the offer that Jesus is making. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for the fantastic words of Jesus inviting us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us, for our sins, and that he died 
but rose again and is alive today. Help us to put all our trust in him. Amen.